very good morning to you and welcome to our service of worship. Uh, we celebrate that our God is a great big God and he holds us in his hands. We are delighted that you're able to join us here, delighted that you are able to join us online. We gather together to worship God. He is the source of all love, compassion and justice. We seek this morning his equipping and enabling to do his will in the world. So let's stand and sing together by every nation, race and tongue, worship and praise be ever sung. Lord, our gracious Heavenly Father, in rare moments of insight, we capture glimpses of the beauty and the expansive nature of your love. It's beyond words to describe. No melody can express it. No human being can explain it. But this morning, we, don't, you know, we ask that you'd open our hearts to receive it. We are surrounded by signs of your love and grace, the colours of the sky, chaos of the storm, the brilliance of the sunshine, the song of the birds, the majesty of creation. All these are signs of your grace and love and power. 
enable us to draw encouragement from them to trust you, our creator, that you made everything that is in love. And when fear sweeps over us, when we feel alone and anxious, help us to trust in your promise to shelter and protect us. And through days of struggle and heartache, or joy and achievement, in days of isolation or when we are surrounded by the companionship of family and friends, you cover us with a blanket of compassion and kindness and faithfulness. The constancy of your grace overwhelms us. The depth of your love leaves us breathless. stand before your cross transfixed we see you Jesus on the cross and with you we are troubled and torn and broken because you were troubled and torn and broken there with us and for us And you know that there's no quick fix, but with outstretched arms, you bring us God's presence, God's healing, and you enfold us in a love we can't find anywhere else. Would your gaze heal our troubled souls? And would your love, your most incredible love, dwell within our hearts and reach out to others through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. The perfect wisdom of our God. Let's stand and sing this.
morning. I was reminded um, last week about Psalm 23 and God being the rock on which we stand. I'm not going to read that to you now uh, and seeing that I'm bringing this message, but um, again, as we sang that song just now, it resonated in my soul. If you get a chance to go back and read that today, please do go back and find Psalm 23. I encourage us to pray together this morning. And as I say, Lord, in your mercy, I encourage you to respond with, hear our prayer. I invite you to pray. As we pray for the church and the world, let us first thank God for the power of his love, which continually surrounds us wherever we are. God our Father, Lord of heaven and earth, who made the world and everything in it, we give you thanks for the wonderful gift of life and all the pleasure that it brings us. We praise you for the joys of creation, so evident in our lovely summer days. Almighty and everlasting God, you promise through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear us when we pray in faith. And so we bring our prayers and concerns to you now, for the church, the world, and ourselves. Father of all, we pray for the peace of your church across the world, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who face the instability of persecution and religious oppression. We pray that one day they will enjoy freedom, the freedom to worship and praise you week by week. Give them hope and strength that they need to keep their faith firm. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, hear our prayer for all your faithful people in their vocation and ministry. May they serve you in holiness and truth to the glory of your name. Bless all those in our ministry team here at Brighton Road and those working with Horsham Church together as they take us forward and that it may always be rooted in prayer with the enabling power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gifts you have given us both individually and collectively, praying that we will show love by going the extra mile for those in need in our community. Help us to see others as you see them, so that your love and kingdom can be revealed. Lord, in your mercy, God of compassion, we pray for all who are weighed down by the complexities of war, oppression and violence. We think particularly of those in eastern Ukraine and the civil unrest in Sri Lanka. For those who live and die in poverty and hunger and those affected by extreme weather conditions. Guide the peacemakers and the decision makers, both in our government and the United Nations they may make wise choices 
in accordance with your will. We pray for your guidance to show us how to offer love and compassion to those in faraway places and ask for your blessing on all who risk their lives on a daily basis as they give practical and life-saving help. We ask that your voice of calm and healing may be heard all above all suffering. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray for those who are troubled by worries about employment, who struggle to put food on the table, and those who have no permanent place to call home. Raise up people of vision to drive forward creative and new ways to offer practical and loving support. And may those who receive their help beware of your love for them. Lord, in your mercy. God of healing, we bring before you those who are suffering in body, mind or spirit. We pray especially for those in our own community and for those who are awaiting doctor's diagnosis or on a waiting list for tests or surgery, for those recovering from surgery, for those in mental anguish. Give strength to those who you have blessed with the gift to help those in need. And in a moment of silence, we bring before you now those in our hearts who are suffering at this time. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, we pray that you will be especially close to those that may be near the time of passing. And we give thanks to those who are now at rest with you and have found a new peace in life. Bless and comfort all who mourn the loss of a loved one, whether recently or his anniversary falls in the coming weeks. In their time of grieving, may they be aware of your constant love and presence. Lord, in your mercy. Father, as we go into this coming week, may we be filled anew with your Holy Spirit loving our neighbour as ourselves, reaching out to those in need, and so furthering your kingdom here on earth. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Hear from God's word in Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. 
You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great patience, great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Let's reflect on the price of that forgiveness. I'm going to invite us to stay seated as we sing quietly. There is a green hill far away. familiar passage from Luke chapter 10 verses 25 to 37. 
one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's take a moment to reflect on that. And uh, I'm going to lead us in a prayer of confession. When I say God, simply ask you to say together, forgive us. For those times when we've seen a need, but simply walked past, God, forgive us. For those times when we felt too important to get involved in someone else's problems, God, For those times when our agenda has been too important and we've been in too much of a rush to have the time for somebody else. God forgive us. For those times when we've steeled ourselves and simply ignored someone else's need. God forgive us. And for those times when we've known what is right 
and we've chosen not to do it. God, forgive us. And for all those times when we have acted out of cruelty and surprised ourselves by just how nasty we can be, going to sing some songs now. There's been a, 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 a reading interspersed with them that kind of reflects on Jesus, his birth, his coming into the world, his death, and his resurrection in our part of the church. So I'd invite you to stand. If you want to sit down at any point, feel free to do so. Uh, but this is a chance for us just to focus on Jesus and to worship him in the time that lies ahead. So we're going to start by singing Thorns for Grace, reflecting on Jesus coming into this world uh, to redeem people like us who fail. So if you'd like to stand, please feel free to do so. of God. The words we read are words perhaps of an early Christian hymn. I invite you to join together with your men or women in saying the words as appropriate. 
Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him.
We stand forgiven at the cross because it's there that God gave Jesus to die for our sins. And he raised him to life so that we would be made acceptable to God. So come, people of the risen King, who delights to bring him praise. Every week, here we are, 10.30 on a Sunday morning, worshipping God together, and anyone and everyone is welcome to join us, either, rem either remotely on Zoom or in person. In the course of your busy life, how important is this meeting to you? Is it an absolute priority? an established part of your routine? 
something you do as and when you feel like it or you can spare the time or something you're happy to miss unless a combined sense of guilt and duty persuades you you ought to pitch up at least once in a while to church whether church is important or not may reflect whether there's any connection between what happens here on a Sunday morning and what happens the rest of the week what you're doing and what kind of link there is. So is church on Sunday morning one extra thing to cram into an overfull schedule? Does getting up in time for half past ten deprive you of that single chance you get to lie in during the week and catch up on all the sleep you've missed the rest of the time? Or is coming to church on a good day at least a vital source of renewal refreshment and inspiration for the coming week are you better equipped to face the coming week if you start that week with church and you might be sitting there thinking well yeah I wish that were the case that's how it should be in theory but it doesn't always work in practice does it and it doesn't and we have to admit that sometimes church doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And hold our hands up and say, if it's not working like that, then something somewhere is wrong. But sometimes we, we lose sight of the point of church. It's all too easy for a meeting like this to become an end in itself. We run ourselves ragged trying to keep the show on the road. And all we're doing really is perpetuating the organisation. But in reality, a meeting like this is a means to an end. So we can worship God and so that through our gathering together like this, God can equip us to live our lives for Jesus. There needs to be that kind of output in terms of honouring God and lived out worship to justify the, all the input that a service of worship like this requires to make it happen. And if we lose sight of that bigger picture, if church becomes an end in itself, then church can end up draining us rather than equipping us. Richard McKenna warned that all too often the church, instead of being the starting point for the individual's journey, where he or she is fed, watered and encouraged, is seen as the terminus, a nursery where you are given space to remain childish and unhealed and can avoid all the pain and anxiety of growth. That's not the kind of church God calls us to be at Brighton Road. So let me come at the question a different way and ask instead, what kind of life does God want you to live? And how can gathering at Brighton Road help you live that kind of life? And this is where our passage from Colossians comes into the frame. Because in Paul's prayer for the believers in Colossae, we get a vision of a God-directed life. And basically he prays for five things. The first is that they, that we, might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's about having an awareness of how the God who shaped 
and crafted and moulded your personality wants you to live out in practice the life he's given you. The Christian life is not about slavishly following a set of instructions or simply doing as you're told, do what your minister says. It starts with discovering and understanding what God's will and purpose is for you. And that's a process which engages our hearts and our minds. It entails thinking and praying, pondering. If you've ever wondered, what's the point? Why am I bothering? Then those are questions you need to address to the God who made you who you are and who gives you life and breath. And it's God who gives you the wisdom and understanding you need to figure out the answers to the existential questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? And when the way in which you live dovetails with his will and purpose for you, then that can be a source of real fulfilment. When you are following God's will in your life and you understand his will and purpose for you, there is a sense of satisfaction and fulfilment to be found in that. That's not to say that discovering and following God's plan for your life means you'll get an easy ride. (laughs) Far from it, actually. But having the wisdom and the understanding to discern God's will for you does help you make sense of life, who you are, and how you should respond to situations when they crop up in your path. There is more to life than eat, sleep, work, repeat. There is God. And understanding his will and purpose for you, individually tailored for you, makes all the difference. First seems to have that wisdom and understanding to be able to recognize God's will for your life. And, and what does he want? Well, it's down to each of us to discern the specifics, insofar as he's applied to us in, as individuals. But from Colossians 1.10, it's clear that God wants us to work, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, seeking to please him in every way. God wants my life to honour him. Think about that for a moment. Your life, who you are, the way you live, has the capacity to be worthy of God. God wants to stamp who you are, how you live, with his seal of approval. Yes. That is worthy of me. Your life can bear the emblem by divine appointment. God calls you to be worthy of him. What we put in our bins and our rubbish bags is refuse. It's worthless rubbish. Your life is not worthless rubbish. 
your life is worthy of God. And accepting that truth brings with it the recognition that your life has dignity, significance and value. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to use the time given to you to pursue your own ends? Or are you going to use your life to honour the God who is greater than you? To live your life for something bigger, to, for something that is the greatest. To be part of something eternal. And to be honoured by God for doing that. Don't underestimate how important that approval is and what a difference it can make. After our physical needs have been met, one of our greatest emotional needs is the need to know that someone else approves of me and is pleased with me. Giving, having that knowledge is a vital source of inner peace and security. We feel good about ourselves if we know that other people are pleased with us. That need for approval can be one of the strongest motivators for how we behave. So Paul says, okay, make it your aim to please God. Feel his favour. Know that he delights in how you live. Your life has value because you have the capacity to honour the, the God who made you by how you live and to know God's approval and affirmation of you as a person. When you live your life his way in a manner that is worthy of him and pleasing to him, there is no higher calling and no greater privilege than doing this. Wherever we are, we have the capacity to live a life that is worthy of God and that pleases him. That's an immense privilege. And one of the characteristics of that life is that it's a life of good works. It's what we're called to. Every day, you have the capacity to do something good. You can do something that's positive. You can do something that makes the world a better place. Something that will enhance the lives of those who cross your path. And God calls you to live your life that way. Lord, today is your gift. What opportunities are there for me to do good today? How can I honour you in that way? God calls you to live that way. He enables you to live that way. And he is the one who makes those good works fruitful. So it's not just empty gestures that fall flat, though sometimes they do. But God enables what we do to have a positive impact and to make a difference. So that how we live actually regenerates our little bit of the world and brings God's kingdom near to people's lives. Goodness knows there is plenty to lament about in our society and it's tempting at some time just to give up the struggle and just be carried downstream, because that's easier. Doing good involves taking a step and honouring God as we do so. Neil Neal, a member of our congregation, has gone to the Central African Republic this weekend. 
and he will be seeking to enable people there to live lives that are sustainable and looking at uh, economic and um, ecological issues with the church out there. Sometimes doing good takes you to other parts of the world. Sometimes it is just a matter in your own home of the people that you talk to on the phone or the letters that you write or the emails that you send. Wherever you are, Lord, today, what good thing are you calling me to do? Lord, by your spirit, make it bear fruit for you. And fourthly, we're called to grow in our knowledge of God and in our understanding of who God is. And this is a relational knowledge. Not the kind of knowledge you pick up from reading words on a page. Even if the page of the book you are reading is the Bible. Because knowledge about God is not the same as knowledge of God. The knowledge of God comes from a prayerful reading of Scripture. Looking to meet God through the words that you read. Pray that he would shape and change and mould the person that you are. Allowing his word to have an impact on your life. We are called to walk through each day with an awareness of God's presence. And the better you get to know God, the more you will grow in maturity. And the more you grow in maturity, the greater your capacity to understand God. And so the process continues throughout our lives as the Spirit opens our minds to understand God and our hearts to receive him. We are always getting to know God better and always growing and developing as people as we do so. And then fifthly, in Colossians 1.11, Paul talks about being empowered with all power in accordance with God's glorious strength, giving you all the resources you need for endurance and quiet resolution in the face of opposition or difficult circumstances. We keep going sometimes, just one day at a time, until we get to the end. God never leaves us to go it alone. He empowers and equips us by his Holy Spirit, resourcing us to stay the course so that we can see it through to the end without quitting or giving up. Let's be honest here, living for God can be immensely challenging, but he doesn't leave us without the resources we need to face those challenges and to overcome them. As he calls us to live our lives for him, he gives us strength to do that and to do it well in a way that brings honour to him, in a way that has a positive impact on those around us, and in a way which gives us a sense of our own significance into the bargain. So how does God want you to live? In the knowledge of his will? In a way that's worthy of him? bearing fruit in every good work, growing in your knowledge of him, doing everything in his strength. That's a challenge. Does it sound daunting or demanding? It's supposed to because it is. And you'd be fooling yourself if you didn't think otherwise. 
friends, that is why God puts us in his church. Because part of his resourcing and equipping and enabling and empowering to do that is each other. We can't do it alone and we're not supposed to. We need the love, the encouragement, the support, the prayers of good friends who will stand alongside us through thick and thin. And church, it isn't just about where we are at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. It is about being part of a network of mutually supportive relationships. So we are there with and for each other as the need arises. Some of us draw immense strength from worshipping together here Sunday by Sunday, being inspired and renewed as we gather in a conscious awareness of God's presence with us and his hand upon our lives. And I'd like to take just a moment to thank all of you whose sacrificial service makes that possible. Some of us find the teaching that happens here, which helps us understand the Bible and how it applies to our lives. That's helpful. Church, relationships, worship, teaching, those are the crucial elements about who we are and what we do. You know, I've been a Christian for well over 40 years now. And during that time, if I'm honest, church has often been as much a source of frustration and grief as it has been a source of inspiration and encouragement. Because we're all human, aren't we? But I will say this as well. And I'm absolutely sure of it. Despite all its faults and failings, were it not for the church, I would not still be a Christian today. Why so? Because when we're faced with the immensely demanding task of living our lives for God in a godly society, you, we together, are the primary means of support that God has made available to us alongside his word and the Holy Spirit and his presence with us. But we are part of a deal, being there with each other and for each other. God wants to use the church to equip us all to live our lives for Jesus and to do that well. Do you want to live your life well for God this coming week? You're in the right place this morning. A key resource to help you is starting the week with God. So whatever God calls you to do, whatever you encounter, whatever happens, have a great week. And God willing, see you here in one week's time. God bless. We're going to close by singing here the call of the kingdom, recognising that we gather, we, we gather together, we come into God's presence here, but God sends us out to take his presence into the world. Hopefully, renewed and equipped and encouraged to live our lives for Jesus. So hear the call of the kingdom. Lift your eyes to the king.
let's bless each other in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.